0: For yep. about five years. We're moving to the West Coast, actually, but we're waiting for our flat to be built, and there's all sorts of problems with oh, bricks. It can't get the bricks and slates, so so we're actually um, renting a place in, just in Fife, but it, we're we're literally a stone throw from the 4th Bridge. so it's a gorgeous place, Jeez, but, but we're sick of it. We want our own place.
1: <laughs> yes, I can imagine, and I've been to Glasgow. I lived in Edinburgh for five years. I did classics in George Square, so... I know okay, right, yeah. I know the area. I even went all the way down Leith Walk once to the Dockers Club to see the band Aberfeldy. Oh, oh right, yes. Which was a glorious oh, I... evening, because Leith is its a separate I... entity. It's great. Have you been Absolutely. to... Absolutely. I, I... I was going to ask if you've been to Easter Road.
0: I, I have, yes. That was my nearest club, so so I went there a few times. I mean, at, at the moment, one of the things I'm doing is really getting to as many Scottish grounds as I can.
1: Yeah, good place so, to be, um, Dean, I,
0: I'm yeah, I'm a bit of a groundhopper, so so I'm indulging the that and and there's something special about Scottish grounds as well and Scottish crowds. There's there's the, the passion that you don't get so much in England.
1: And also the the pessimism, the humour of Scottish Fit Bar. It's a it's a different uh, world up there. When I studied It is, yes. The yeah, sports and, pages and, would and, lead with what was going on in Hearts, not what was going on in Manchester. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and there's there's just something special about it. The I mean for instance the, East Fife. I mean, it's it's just got one stand at East Fife. There, there's an old bloke who sits in the back row, and the language is so industrial. He looks <laughs> like he's he spent all his life there. He's, he's nestled under a flat cap. And he's, he's just brilliant. He'll he'll contest everything and call the referee all the names under the sun. When when the ball goes out for a throw-in that he doesn't agree with, it's it's just brilliant. There's so many characters.
1: I won't be allowed to do that at St. Albans because my Uncle Clive is club ambassador there. He goes to oh, really? <laughs> uh, Clarence Park often. I don't know if St. Albans are playing tonight. We're recording on... August the 17th, and in fact, the team that you support, John Keane, whom you wrote about in your book, The Sum of the Parts, The Evolution of the Perfect Team, they are playing at the Car Park Stadium. What's it called now, not the Majeski?
0: Um, It's Select Car Leasing. Yeah,
1: I tried to Um, remember that, but it uh, went in and out for me. Uh, Dave Harris is there, so I'm sure he'll send you a message at half-time. Indeed, yes. And this yeah, I, I tend not to get too
0: aerated about the, the names of grounds it's just just the commercial side some some people get so so head up about it they I'm
1: not sure about that I think Watford because we announced today that we're gonna have a doge coin emblem on our sleeves so I think we're gonna go down to the oh. doge soon enough ludicrous but this is is yes. a weird schizophrenic club uh, I, I imagine you've been to the Vic if not Uh, uh,
0: Many, many times, yes.
1: It's a lovely little stadium. Were you there when we only had three stands? Well, there there was the old wooden one that was there just as an ornament by the looks of it. Yeah, they knocked it down in about 2003 and finally the Pozzos came in, rebuilt it. Yes, it's now named after Elton John. It's the Elton John stand now. Okay, fair enough, yes. The Reading team, because I won't... I'll forget about Reading present because we're going back to 2006, 2007 and the incredible couple of seasons under Steve... Did you know he went to Cambridge, Koppel? Was it Cambridge he went to? No, or... I
0: believe he was studying in, um, at um, Birkenhead and, and then Liverpool.
1: Right, just as good. Um, but yes, this yes. this Reading team, you have managed to stick seven on the bench, including Watford Loney, Tom Dele-Bashiru, who is coming back from a year out injured. But big, big talent, okay. came okay. through at Man City. I think he'll... Um, I don't know if Rimon Hotter and Lauren are uh, looking over their shoulders, but their position in the team is uncertain. You're playing against Bristol City, and I'm hoping to speak to Leia Case, who is a Bristol City fan, in September. Um, her game, too, is the initiative that has come into being. Uh, Dave Harris, whom I spoke to uh, last week, is uh, had lots of ladies in. Do you know lots of female Reading supporters who could have been involved um, in Star?
0: Um, I do indeed, I know of a fair number. Paula Martin, for instance, is, is one of the leading lights. I know Paula well.
1: Jolly good. Yes. Um maybe I'll start with that. Reading Supporters Trust, the star, you set it up, you chaired the fans' forums. What kind of rewards did you give Steve Coppel during or after his time as Reading manager?
0: When he left, we, we gave him a, um, a very nice engraved decanter and um, a couple of whiskey glasses because we, we know that he liked a, a tipple while he was at home watching football videos. And he, he seemed to genuinely like that. And unfortunately, and I was one of the two people who, who got to actually present it to him. So so right at the back of my book, there's a nice picture of me presenting that to Steve Cople, which is much. one I'm, I'm really proud of.
1: This book, The Sum of the Parts, Evolution of the Perfect Team, Dave Harris is one of the people you spoke to. And I would recommend that you listen to Dave talk about uh, the years after. We talked about Brendan Rodgers quite a bit and Paunovic and the new team. Uh, I must say that Paunovic's team are 1-0 down after five minutes. Former Watford player Andy Vyman scoring for Nigel Pearson, former Watford manager, the Bristol City uh, I'll minimise that because let's go back to 1990 whenever Mark McGee's in charge what was supporting Reading FC like in those days um, it, it had
0: been dire um, so, so through the late 80s, I mean, apart from winning the Simod Cup, which the vast majority of supporters don't even know what it was, but because it was about the only thing we'd won, um, we we still hold hold it dear. And in fact, our our 150th anniversary shirt, the away shirt, is a replica of the the yellow shirt that we won the Simod Cup in in 1988. Um, but it it was picking up; it had its moments. Um, but when when we um, were taken over by John in December 1990. We were a basket case club. Nobody really had any interest. It was hemorrhaging money, but, but relatively small amounts at that time. And then McGee came in, and, and things, things slowly changed. Um, so that the first couple of years, we... We could see he was putting a good team together, but this was all a bit new and different for us.
1: New in a good way? Was that, I mean, there wasn't much money because it was pre-Bosman and players didn't have free movement of contract then. Um, Absolutely, definitely good. Um, I mean, Jimmy Quinn
0: came in, for instance. Everybody thought, well, he was just going to see out his career and and he was ex-Swindon as well, so not very popular Mm -hmm. there. Um, But him and and Archie, or Stuart Lovell, we won tier three that was by then called the second division in 94, Um, they scored 49 goals between them and it was a a revelation. And some of the the players that McGee found and the way he motivated them just really turned us around.
1: I'm trying to think who managed McGee. Didn't he play in Scotland for a bit?
0: Um, Yeah, in fact, he started off at Morton. He was with um, Celtic for quite a while. I think he may have been managed by Tommy Burns. Alex Ferguson was with him at Aberdeen as well for quite a while and and we managed to get Jim Layton on loan when McGee was manager um, and I think Layton had made a, a couple of major boo-boos in games at Old Trafford and rehabilitated his career by coming to Reading on loan and, and turning it around and, and then going back and I think he finished up in the FA Cup final that year for United.
1: Uh, yes, which seems like it's only 30 years ago, but it does seem in black and white, although blue and white is is where we are now. Um, we'll talk about the pivotal cult figure of Reading, maybe in the second half, but let's gallop through the pre-couple era. Uh, Quinn went up to become co-manager. Who was the good cop? Who was the bad cop in the Quinn Gooding partnership? In fact,
0: it started off, there were four managers. Yeah, I saw um, this. But exactly, that only, yeah. uh, only lasted about a week. It was Hopkins and A.D. Williams uh, as the senior professionals, were. were it was a four way. And then I think they, they went back to playing within about a week and so. So it was Quinn and Gooding for a while. Um, nobody really knows. I think they had a, a, a bit of both. They, it, it was really, I think, uh, bad cop and bad cop.
1: <laughs> That's a true. How long did that last? And was the football good?
0: Um, the football was really good. The 94-95 the season was was phenomenal. Um, Quinn was still there playing, um, got ten goals, um, Stuart Level got fourteen, Lee Nogan got twelve.
1: Excellent. Um,
0: and yes, and then we um, we got to the playoff final. Um, our, our f- famous playoff final where the the first we got to and the first of the the repeating heartbreak it was a classic we we were 2-0 up and had a penalty which was saved against Bolton and gradually we ran out of steam the the long season took its toll injuries came in and we lost um, 4-3 after extra time uh, having been 2-0 up with a penalty and it was just just gutting
1: Yes, the trudge back up from Wembley to Berkshire must have been horrific that day. And who... Yeah, Bolton. Bolton, whom Watford beat oh. in 1999. So maybe we did you a favour by stopping Bolton from going up uh, in ninety nine. although they had quite a good 2000s. Uh, Bullivant is a name I don't know. Should history be kind to him?
0: It's slightly out of his depth. Uh, Terry the Taxi, as he's affectionately known, because he said that he, if it didn't work out, he could go back to driving a taxi. And... Mm. Um, I, I think he, he was a perfectly adequate coach, um, but I think he just couldn't hack the full-blown football manager.
1: That's a shame. And at this um, time, the John era was well in full swing—six or seven years. Did he pump more money in at some point uh, after all, after the maybe the Sky money? Because Sky, the Premier League, would contribute to the Football League. So would that money have come down through the pyramid?
0: um not really to be honest after the um 94 95 season we we had a bit of a sell-off so players like simon osborne shaka hislop they left um and really for the next couple of seasons everybody's eyes were on the move to the madstad or uh, which was on the old rubbish dump at smallmead yes where i've Um, been
1: i've seen reading play there um, and it is far out of town, and we did need a car to go there. But it was my dad's closest club for a while because he lived in Wargrave. Okay. Uh, so oh, not, yes. not far at all. Uh, but John Madeski is one of the chairmen that I know was one of the good guys. I wanted to divide the English pyramid into the foreign-owned teams and the English man-owned teams. We're talking on the twenty-first anniversary of Jack Walker dying. He died this date, August oh, seventeenth. Okay, right, yeah. 2000, 2000. Um, so, but the taxi drives away, and who should come in? We go to
0: Tommy Burns.
1: The aforementioned Tommy Burns. Was there the McGee connection? Yeah.
0: Possibly, I'm not sure. I think it, he's all that was available. Um, mm. We were perilously close to relegation. This was in March, just a, a day or so before the, the transfer deadline. Mm. Back when it was in the third, um, was it Tuesday in March, something like that, um, and we 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 had half a team injured, so we were we were doing really badly after a promising um, first half of the season. Um, Burns came in and brought with him seven players on loan or purchases. The the, the gang of seven that all turned up and all played at, at Ipswich the, the following day.
1: Ooh, do I um, know any of those seven?
0: Um, Possibly. Um, to be honest, I, I, I don't remember all of them because <laughs> so, um, a lot of them didn't stay very long at all.
1: Yeah, Watford we, once we brought w- in 15 players and one of them played a half and I got to see him play a half. Jean-Alain Fancheon, oh, okay. cult, cult hero. <laughs> so you saw these seven in action.
0: Yes, and we, we, uh, we later <laughs> discovered that
1: they all shared the same agent as Tommy Burton. So ah. there was some... Um, I don't know if that was just convenience or or there was something a bit more nefarious going on. Oh, well, let's uh, take a side note on that, because you were on telly the other day. uh, There are two really good exposés this week, um, and we're talking 18 months before the Qatar World Cup, which is an exposé on its own. Um, But we've had (laughs) Filippo Clare talking about uh, gambling and how Asian betting companies can set up effectively a front in the Isle of Man, and then get a name emblazoned on various shirts, uh, and on that was Jossimar, which is a website. And on Al Jazeera on Monday, there was this documentary about agents and brokers and representatives. What was your involvement in that? Um, basically, I was um, assisting the reporters
0: who did the undercover operation on a, on a chap called Christopher Samuelson. Basically, I was giving the reading side of the story and. Um, letting them know what happened at Reading, what the the views of everybody at Reading was and and giving them some ideas on on how it it could be stopped. It it was personal and and I know for the journalists involved, one of whom is a Derby supporter and one of whom is an Aston Villa supporter, it was personal for them as well.
1: Mm. I don't know, well, it's because of this unleashing of the reins of the horse that is agency. You can be an agent, I can be an agent, we just have to take an exam, pay a bit of money. And it's unlicensed, and that is not good.
0: Indeed, and and th- this guy really was—he—he he was a a broker who would put foreign buyers in contact with clubs, um, and and basically, this the guy seemed to have no morals whatsoever. Financially, he he could—he um, was famous for being able to. Um, Hide an elephant financially, as somebody said, so he he was experts of offshore trusts and and all the the financial uh, shenanigans to hide money and he He basically didn 't care where the money came from, um, if it was criminal or, or otherwise it, His role was to to just get the deal done and profit from it himself. And he, he boasted about how he could get round all the um, fitting proper or owners and directors tests in all sorts of ways. So he was quite open about how he could just um, make sure that any checks from the Football League didn't
1: happen. Jesus. And it's all yeah. it's because that there's, money, there's money in it. I mean, there was a bit of crime uh, in the olden days, but now we have cowboy owners. What happened at Wigan is disgraceful. They've picked themselves up. Um, and of course, we've got domestic cowboys. I won't name them because I, I fear for the future of the football library if I do. But it's because players are assets. And you've, you're seeing now, Derby have the same ban as Reading. So apparently, with Reading, you can't play any under 23s. You have to have 18, or is it 23 professionals, i.e., they've played a minute of top level football. Is that the embargo Reading are under? Um, um...
0: I, no I think it's that the we we can't sign any more players um, until we get others off the book I, to be honest i'm I'm not sure because it it just seems to be so so inexplicable our Crime was different to Derby, who were, were doing all sorts of things with um, overvaluing the stadium in the accounts. We, we, we basically just spent 219% of our income on player wages and, and, course, and something like 183 the year before. So it's just not, not a sustainable
1: business model. No, and unfortunately tonight it's not a sustainable game. I, I feel like Jeff Stelling or Jules crossing over, but Bristol's, Chris Martin of Bristol City, very good second tier striker. Uh, it's put Bristol City 2-0 in front, and that's probably game over. Oh, but it's dear. a real shame. Um, it's a real shame.
0: Yes. But uh, Bristol have been on a run of not doing very well. So, so the best way to end a losing run is to play Reading. It, it always happens. Yes. Um, there's so many examples.
1: And so this documentary, uh, which was on Al Jazeera, one, it will be on the shelves of the Football Library, and two, would we be able to view it on the Al Jazeera website?
0: Um, absolutely. There, there are links to YouTube. Um, they, In fact, the YouTube version has a, a bit more content than the broadcast version because they're not constrained by um, time. So they, there's a, a bit more in that. They explain it nicely um, and make it really accessible on what, what potentially could be a dry subject because financial shenanigans are, can lose a lot of people. But they, they make it nice and clear about what's happening. And, and, and some of the things that that are revealed will just make any football supporters' mouth drop open because yeah. it's it's unbelievable.
1: Well, is it as unbelievable as Qatar effectively buying the crown jewel? It, which is effectively... Well, not even buying, just registering him and then paying him. They haven't paid a penny to Barcelona.
0: Uh, no, Ed. I, I don't think anything is is unbelievable now because I think the, the game is now purely for money. At it's, that level? It's... it's, it's um, indeed and 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 it, the problem is it, it's creeping down all the levels and and a lot of the people at the lower levels want to be the same so they'll they'll meet in the middle but it's um a lot of the the things that make football what it is are, are being bought and sold and traded to people that you wouldn't want them owned by
1: yeah indeed and the news today we've got harry kane effectively going on strike the links of ronaldo's future isn't sure Mbappe, who costs, don't forget, about 200 million euros, and he's not signing a contract, and that's apparently angering people. It's not fun. It's not fun at all at that level. It's just, it's like watching watching someone play FIFA, and that is the worst thing of ever. I hate watching oh, people yeah. play video games. Um, oh, yeah. Instead, I would love to know what Steve Koppel would think of the modern game, because he played in Alec Ferguson's team for many years. He's a, a very smart cookie and um, was the manager when Reading went up to the Premier League and had that great season. But yes, what would Steve Koppel think of the modern um, game? I think
0: he, he, he loves football. Um, he hates all the trappings of press and publicity and, and having to talk to the press and say the right things. He, he, he just wants to sit back, um, analyse matches, do the coaching, put the tactics together and win games. But uh, all of the, the necessary trappings that go around it he just hates and always has I think every time he's been asked if he wants to be the England manager he he says over my dead body because <laughs> of all the, the press intrusion and all the grief and hassle that goes with it so it, he, he loves football he he doesn't like the industry there
1: I wonder if you should put Boris Johnson in charge of the football team and Gary Neville in charge of the country and see what happens for a bit
0: uh, I'm, I'm not sure anything could be any worse
1: No, and we are talking, uh, the Taliban have given some press conferences today to assure the world that, yes, women will be treated fairly. By the time this goes out in the middle of September, uh, it will be seen to be believed. In fact, this chat goes out on Kol Nidre, which is the holiest night of the Jewish year. So can I take this opportunity to say to any Jewish people, well over the fast. uh, Think about what you've done in this last year. That's what Yom Kippur does, and then at the end of Yom Kippur... You are free to sin again. It's the greatest religion in the world apart from football. You have been to the Majeski for so long and experienced so many managers. After Brendan, there was Nigel Adkins, Steve Clark, 175 days of Brian McDermott. Uh, what went wrong? Why didn't he like the owners?
0: I'm not sure. We we were in a time when there was a real flux of owners and, and we had some ties come in. I think the mistake was bringing him back because he was so successful in his first spell. He went away and he was brought back to try and recreate the magic, but I think the, the rest of the club and the, the mechanism that he worked so well under had, had been dismantled by that point, so it, it just wasn't going to work.
1: But you had to replace him with another bald man. Now, this was the big Dutch man. Yap Stam, who's now uh is he Atlanta at the moment? Took over Gabby Hines' job, I think. I
0: think so, yes.
1: Yeah. Big Jap Stam. Did he connect with the fans?
0: I've got no time for him personally. Um because he he brought in lots of uh, substandard players, um and and to a certain extent throws out a lot of the the young kids who were coming up. So there were some really promising players who because um he inherited the team that won the Premier League Under Twenty Three Championship, so a really, really good set of players, uh, young, young lads, um, and. Didn't give them the chances. So um, I mean Jack Stacey, for instance, um, who, who, um, when last I heard, he was at Bournemouth. Yes. He was such a promising player, um, and Jap Stam never saw him play. Decided he wasn't right, and brought in um, some Dutch players who just didn't cut the mustard.
1: Well, Aziz has cut the mustard tonight, and he has passed muster as well. So Reading have got one back. This is quite fun. Oh, yes, isn't it? Reading. So, yes, I've just told you Reading have scored and you, John Keane, who literally wrote the book on the evolution of the perfect team, which we will get to. uh, I am keen to talk about that. But uh, Paul Clement came in with, I think, Nigel Gibbs assisting him.
0: That's right. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to talk to Nigel because I'm writing this book about the FA Youth Cup and Watford uh, did very well. I think Nigel was the right back for the Youth Cup winning team of 81. Ah. Um, Paul Clement one of the best coaches in the world he was Ancelotti's number two for Yonks Uh, that worked for a bit
0: yes um, this this seems to be the the pattern we're in we have a manager comes in who who works for a while although um, we we did have a couple of years where a good season was was not being relegated we had um, after Stam had 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 that Clement came in and then, then Gomez as well and really just kept us up by the skin of our teeth it's turned around since then, but we've we've had three or four dreadful seasons.
1: Well, it wasn't Mark Bowen um, promoted. He was like the general manager who uh, came across as a caretaker and then was the manager, and then it all didn't work.
0: This is it. The, you you wouldn't run a, a sensible business the way Reading has been run over recent years. He he was director of football. Yes. Um. And he he appointed himself as manager. Um. And when there was the the predictable outcry, um. Then. He went to the press saying he didn't actually make the appointment himself, but the suspicion is that he made that appointment. And initially, just as a stopgap, but I think he decided he liked it and he'd stay on. Mm. It's just um, questionable.
1: Indeed. And the new manager, I saw his playing pedigree. He was at Atletico Madrid, surely. He must be able to tap into that network when Reading are allowed to do so. But the just the ownership since John Madeski... He must despair counting his money, but he must despair about what's happened to Reading since he sold it.
0: Yes, I mean, he'd he'd been wanting to get rid of it for a long time. Um, I think he recognised it would cost far too much money to to keep going, Um, so he was looking for for a sucker to come in and buy it. Um, Unfortunately, and and this this ties back with the the documentary on Al Jazeera, Um, he was turned into the sucker because... um, Anton Zingarevich, a Russian Ooh. son of a, a, a paper pulp magnate, Boris Zingarevich, um, bought the club in 2012, um, didn't actually pay the second instalment, so the, the final 49% was, was basically given back to John Medesky. Um then we had Ties for a couple of years who were more interested in um, the car park and developing that. Um, and now we've got Dai Yong, who's a, a, a Chinese owner who we, we don't know very much about, except he made his money converting nuclear shelters into shopping malls.
1: So um, this is football today. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Uh, James Montague wrote the most fantastic book called The Billionaires Club. And he wrote a chapter about Chinese investment, and he said, Birmingham, Aston Villa, Foson at Wolves, Reading, why are China investing in the middle of the country? And, of course, we know that they wanted to put telephone poles up, which the British government were against. But now, oh, apparently, yes. the, new, the Chinese method is to keep the money in-house. So there may well be... Uh, Villa have been sold on. But um, Wolves, still Foson, and... Um, well, you've seen what's happened with Inter Milan and the Suning. Uh, oh, yeah. Terrible. But how yeah. do we stop this? You're speaking as someone who may well have worked with the FSF and uh, supporters Direct. Community clubs are the way forward, or a hybrid community model with a bank or a, an owner? Absolutely.
0: I mean, they're, they're, people talk about the German model, which is it's fan-owned owned 50% plus one share must be owned by the fans. And and that works nicely. Um, the problem is, um, how do we get to there from where we are now? Because if, if a multimillionaire has invested millions in a club, where's that money going to come from to, to get rid of them and give it to the fans? The the sums we're talking about for, for some clubs are just astronomical. That's even before you look at all the, the debt that's just sitting there, because just about every club is encumbered by masses of debt, just just unsustainable debt. And I, I, I fear that it won't take much before the, the whole financial house of cards comes crashing down.
1: Yeah. Have you seen what's going on in Wrexham? Someone has put a, a big white-lettered Wrexham, much like the Hollywood sign. Everyone is convinced, as we speak, that it's Ryan Reynolds and Rob <laughs> McKelleny. Wrexham have signed Paul Mullen. This is like Ronaldo playing... Dog and Duck, Pub United. This is crazy, but Wrexham need to get back in the division. You'll have been to the race course.
0: Oh, yes, indeed, yes. Yes, it's it's all very good while while they're putting money in, but it doesn't take much. Um, loss of interest, loss of money, um, a death, an accident. Um, you've just got to look at Gretna mm. in Scotland to see how it, called, it could all end up, and, and Rushton and Diamonds as well.
1: Yeah, And David Conn wrote that book, The Beautiful Game, with a question mark.
0: Absolutely, yes. And it's just
1: ugly, ugly, ugly what happens. And he says that the the number of owners who try and CPO to compulsorily purchase a ground and develop it into the flats, not realising that it's a community asset. And John Majewski has realised that Reading was a community asset because of the Taylor report. You realised you needed the new stadium, built the new stadium. And it almost makes a mockery of every Reading fan, including the great Damien Green, whose daughter is friends with my brother, who's a no. big Reading fan. Yes. I must talk to Damien, who is a lawyer, about just the, the way that the fan spirit is crushed year on year on year at Reading. Uh, you're two one down after half an hour.
0: That'll but work. yes,
1: as various Reading fans, this is not a good time to be a Reading fan. No,
0: but it's, it's better than it was two years ago. Um, although on, on the pitch, it's better than it was two years ago. Um, financially, it's just as bad as it's ever been. But um, at least we, the, the first half of last season was was spectacular. We then faded and and finished outside the playoffs. But we we had an incredible start with, uh, I forget how many was it, something like nine straight wins, something mm-hmm. like that. So so we, hair and tortoise, we, we, we raced away and everybody caught up with us eventually.
1: I don't know if that nine consecutive win question will be in the ultimate Reading FC quiz book. Um, every Reading fan should have one. Have you seen people reading the quiz book on the way to? If you have been down to see any matches, oh no, you haven't because it's been um, I,
0: I haven't. No, because it, in fact that that was my my writing project during lockdown. So I um, I, I did that fairly fairly quickly. I think it, I, I did it over something like eight to nine weeks to get it out, thinking that it would be something to occupy other people during lockdown so it was um, <laughs> something i put together quick quickly but diligently of course um and the the irony is and this this taught me a lesson as a writer that the, the this if you like cheap and cheerful quiz book um has made me far more money <laughs> from publishing than the the labour of love. <laughs> some of the parts, which was um, took me about two years with lots of interviews, and and was absolutely crafted. So, so sometimes quick and dirty is more profitable.